0: Welcome back to Life MMA and the NBA. Thank you for your attention. Um, that was a long intro that was dedicated to the man himself. He may be short in stature, but very long on talent. Give it up, folks, for Mr. Ronnie James Deal. Wow, wow. Oh, give it up give it up for Deal, man. Where, what, what you got, Nick? Do you got something?
1: One of the greats. One of the greats. Woo!
0: deal. Alright party people, I'm back. Uh, one of those things that happened, this is, by the way, this is DJ San Marco, your host, Life MMA in the NBA, along with my co-host, my good friend and a man that I admire greatly, uh, the one and only, the uh, heavy metal bass player, which is why I've gotten, he single-handedly shoved me back into the the uh, the light of heavy metal so that I can feel its it's sunshine on my skin. Um, he's the sociologist and nursing student, Mr. Nick Cazano. Good evening, my friend.
1: Good evening, sir. Good evening.
0: <laughs> so, so I thought that that intro was befitting of, of the great Ronnie James Dio. Any thoughts on Mr. Dio?
1: Oh, yeah. One of the greats, man. One of the greats. Very unique voice, even by today's standards as well you know i mean he set the bar and you know not too many people have either touched it or even come close as far as he's
0: operatic is Is there like a bruce dickinson uh like they're both kind of sort of an operatic classical kind of voice maybe but he has a little more thunder
1: yeah his 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 tone is a little more different than bruce i mean every every vocalist no matter what music you listen to has a different sort of tonality to it but yeah, I mean, this is pretty unique. You know, when you when you really hear him, you know, belt that gusto out, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Ryan James Dio, So, And, you
0: know, I can't, when I hear Vivian Campbell, the guitar player, doing some of those solos, like maybe the last in line, and there's certain parts of that, I, I can't help it. Like the hair stands up on my arms, and it's just, you know, it still has that effect on me. You know some 35 years later 36 years later uh or, or whatever it's been it's it's incredible uh you know these bands will, will just live forever
1: yeah they're definitely timeless and you know there you know when uh, a musician or band's doing something right when you know you're you get goosebumps and the hair starts yes. to stand on your skin you know yes especially you know coming back to it years later and still feeling that same sort of sensation that you felt when you first heard it so yes i mean it's one of the greats. Yes. Timeless music.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I just heard the song from Vision Quest a couple minutes ago. I'm trying to think of what that is. But when I hear this song, uh, Hungry for Heaven, and it's ridiculous that they wrote this for a movie. Uh, Ronnie James Dio, he left us too soon. He's gone now. But uh, for those of you who are interested to hear... Um, so some of the 80s metal maybe did not age as well. I think Nick has alluded to that uh, in some past episodes. But I I believe that which we just heard a minute ago, songs like that, I don't think that'll ever get old.
1: Oh, no. I mean, especially there has been a resurgence in sort of uh, retro style metal in today's bands too so a lot of those bands are still influenced by you know orion james Dio and iron maiden and you know a classic metallica megadeth uh you know anthrax exodus you know all all those sorts of bands have sort of rejuvenated some of these uh newer bands to kind of follow in their same footsteps and sort of almost like mimic what they did but like more in a modern way so i think you know those like these old bands that were still good back and there are still going to be good now or if not better because the youth is still sort of paying homage to them and it's, and it's still uh, influenced by these guys. So
0: I, I, I think this is a good time to bring up this topic, Nick about rock history, because me and you somebody that I know you admire kid, Nate, Nate Wilcox, a bloody elbow is a bona fide music. And I don't want to say rock historian, cause that wouldn't be accurate. Like music historian, you know, <laughs> um, um, you know, from the the roots of rock and roll all the way back, hip hop. He, I don't know how many episodes he's done now on rap and hip hop. It's phenomenal. Oh, cool. oh he's amazing. Do you want to have Nate on to talk music? Do you want to? Sure. Yeah, do you? That'd be cool.
1: I I know that he's uh he's really into like nineties rock bands too. I remember him mentioning, and I I have a strong sort of bond to those types of rock bands too because i grew up sort of listening to 90s rock bands in my youth and everything so those a lot of those bands have a soft place in my heart but i'm not like a hardcore where i listen to a lot of the bands that really didn't make it out of seattle or have their own niche you know like i had had a friend that he loved those style of bands but like he knew like the bands that never left seattle or the bands that are kind of you know, niche oriented within that scene, so that, I wasn't that. Wasn't that screaming very
0: Trees or Nirvana or like Flaming Lips, or flame, right? You know, right.
1: I mean, yeah. some of these other guys, some of these other bands, I'm just like, ooh, like, you know, I was more on the surface area of those types of bands, and even like the one-hit wonder bands that I thought were really good too.
0: Well, this that, this that is, I enjoyed during th- that era. This is what makes Nate interesting to have on about music. You could literally go from the 20s. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating here, from the '20s to now,
1: and have oh, a discussion. Crazy. So yeah, you just yeah. have
0: to decide. So basically, what I'm saying, I'm pretty confident Nate will come on. Uh, I've had him on my show before. I've interviewed him about music, uh, and I and we can have. So I'm confident he'll come on. You just have to figure out what exactly you want to ask him about and come up with
1: yeah I'm not whatever's gonna touch the
0: '20s. No, no, no. <laughs> whatever's interesting to you. Whatever genre yeah. of music that you want to either get his opinion, you know, to basically to get his opinion on, that's the only reason you would have him on is to get him to talk about it. That guy is phenomenal. So just, I want you to okay, just that's just cool. kind of yeah. get together what you want to do. Thought, yeah, and and I am ninety nine percent sure that if I ask Nate, he will come on and talk music with you. So
1: cool.
0: Yeah. All right, so Nick. Nick is kind of like our program director of the show. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Nick will come up with what topics we're going to cover. He is an avid consumer of MMA news. He's introduced me to a number of people like our guest a a week or so ago, uh, Cyrus, uh, Justina MMA on Twitter, Kairos, uh, all these interesting people who are all all good people all my new friends are my friends because of nick basically so um so thank you nick for taking pity on me and giving me some friends wow no worries man so i appreciate that i was lonely uh, before that
1: lonely you were lonely on twitter and i, I, I had was to just show you the light
0: <laughs> only the lonely so what are we talking about this week nick talk to me man i mean you know
1: talk a little Derek lewis okay stuff maybe the black beast Yep. You know, maybe John Jones, a heavyweight. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little, I know there's a card, I think, this weekend. But, you know, oh, what do you think of Derek Lewis? I mean, it's weird. <sighs> what would you think of that fight?
0: You know, um, it was really interesting to see him do. So I didn't put my money on him being able to do that. There may have been some tells out there. So what would the tell be? The tell might have been that he lost to Francis Saganu twice. Uh, that here yeah. is this amazing wrestler, this guy who can grind you out, put you on the floor. I mean, he beat the beat the hell out of Overeem like that. Supposedly he's really, yeah. Overeem's up there training with him now. Uh, just like, I don't know if you re- realize this, but when Travis Brown beat Overeem, where did Overeem start training? Oh, um, Jackson's.
1: Jackson's, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Then this guy beats the hell out of Overeem. Where's Overeem training? <laughs> In Colorado. Yeah.
1: Colorado. Yes. Smart man.
0: So so there were some tells there, but um, Derek Lewis was amazing. He landed that uppercut. Everybody knows that um, uh, Michael Bisping said this is a counter for a wrestler, but what Michael talked about on his podcast today with uh, Luis Gomez is you can say, I'm going to hit that shot. You can say if this guy goes to to snatch my right leg hit a single i'm gonna come up and i'm gonna hit an uppercut but doing it at full speed in the middle of a fight is a whole nother matter and he did that so um i was i was very amazed at what derek did he played possum he made himself look quite tired uh in that first round which i don't really think he was that tired would you agree with that nick
1: I mean he likes to play possum and everything and I think it's a combination of things too. I mean he was getting hit and everything mm-hmm. and you know that could have sapped his cardio and he could have just you know like you know, like most fighters back out and they go okay let me rest a little bit. You know he kind of maybe over exaggerates a little bit and was like, "Alright, let me take a break or take a little little breather, you know, 10 second mm-hmm. breather, but let me let me just make myself look more labored to kind of buy convince the other guy that I'm I'm more tired than I actually am. So then they kind of maybe have that false sense of security or whatever
0: um so i i was fascinated to see that and really um it kind of played out a lot uh, i think daniel cormier talked about you know what i did he talked about um how he he ankle picked one i can't remember how dc said he got his first takedown on Derek. um I think but he basically did get an ankle pick he, that was the second one I think he, he said. The, the first one, the second one. He, oh, okay. yeah, it was the second one. The first one, he said, and and he really he didn't like the way that Curtis Blade set it up, and he said he got Garrett going backwards, he got his hands up, and then he was able to get in on him, and he just feels like uh, that uh, it looked like that Blaze was out there kind of just kickboxing and wasn't really trying to set it up, and uh, and that manifested itself in. In uh, him shooting from outside, he talked about him taking a shot from really far away, and that's what happened, you know, and again I mean, Cormier is an Olympic wrestler. When he decides he wants to do this and he decides that you're his mark he's going to get you. And he also believes that uh, he also he believes that Stipe will do something very similar to Derek Lewis.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Stepe could definitely do that to Derek Lewis as he did to and gano and everything steve mixes it up a lot better to compared to blades at least based on these last couple of fights he's and very i know intelligent. during the commentary yeah High I know IQ. during the commentary definitely definitely this being mentioned that oh i think rashad evans told him maybe behind the scenes that blades is kind of sloppy with his sort of uh level change not level changes but his um takedown entries Mm-hmm. everything and he kind of slipped up he's like oh sorry uh, sorry Rashad." <laughs> it was it was kind of maybe under the uh, you know just private talk or whatever but it kind of slipped out so and then you kind of saw it you know the way you know he dipped his head and didn't really set it up and i mean it, it yeah i mean it's just it is what it is i mean
0: it wasn't clean it wasn't clean it wasn't clean it
1: wasn't clean yeah I, and but, I you know it, it's just it,
0: And in the second round of the fight early in the second round should be clean at that point
1: yeah but like lewis wasn't really you know most guys get takedowns where guys just when the other guy just comes forward plants their feet swings and then boom they just change levels and it's right there so lewis really wasn't giving him anything like that so he was kind of staying back and just kind of
0: he's conserving his energy
1: that and he knew he knew what blades was going to do so he just kind of stood back and was like all right like he was kind of waiting for it when it came boom, i mean i think people forget to realize it. me my, myself included that Lewis has some fast hands for a 260 plus pound guy and everything so it's just you make one mistake and that guy and then he's got power too so it's just boom that's all that's all he is such all it is.
0: he i mean you know what, Derek Lewis really could be the Kimbo Slice without the you know with because he doesn't promote his backstory, and his backstory <clears throat> hasn't been foretold for several years. He really could be uh, the Kimbo Slice of the UFC. I mean, apparently um, um, Michael Bisping indicated that he's done time, which I didn't know. But the way he's just so cool, he's funny. Um he has a style that's very street oriented. I mean a lot of people know that there was a boxer that came in Fortis MMA and was talking some trash about how MMA guys can't box and Derek Lewis, I think the videos actually out there beat the hell out of that guy.
1: Oh yeah, he he yeah he yeah smash it's on, it's on his Twitter, I think. Derek Lewis's Twitter, his first thing that pops up. So you can, Yeah. It's He's right a... there, yeah. I mean he he beat the crap out of that guy. But yeah, I mean
0: how about, wait, just oh, no. one more thing. How about the story about the hurricane where Hurricane Michael rolls through Houston and Derek Lewis is there picking up people. He goes and picks up a family in his huge truck is like a couple feet off the ground and the guy goes runs back to his house to grab his rebel flag and Derek Lewis is just like, not even offended, he's just like, get in, man, let's go. I mean, yeah, I didn't mean, say anything to him. He's an amazing guy, man.
1: You know, he he he's comfortable with who he is you know he's you know he's a family man Mm -hmm. you know he's providing for his you know for his kids and and, and his family you know he's kind of a goofy guy i think that's like kind of who he is when he's not fighting with his family you know he's kind of a goofball so that that kind of you know shows itself when he's in front of the media and everything like that i mean he just he's very some fighters you know they're younger and they just when you're younger and even in Today's standards, no matter what age you are, sometimes you just don't know who you are and everything like that. And so, when you're put in front of this camera, then you're, you're getting interviewed. You know that lack of identity sometimes comes off as you saying things that kind of are a little awkward. Or you saying things that, <laughs> yeah, Kobe you Covington a fake one. That's an extreme one. Create a fake Yeah, persona, but like. Yeah. Yeah, fake personas are just things that, you know, they we say you're just like, oh, I don't know why I said that or whatever. But Lewis is just, you know, he he, he cracks jokes and stuff. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. Yeah, so, hey, Derek,
0: it, man, what was your diet before the fight? I ate my wife, Max Turfer, backside. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he talks about... Uh, my the, balls the, is hot. Yeah, my balls <laughs> is hot. But, he, you know, he talks about the corner yelling at him after he, he hit blades of the, the two shots at afterwards that after the knockdown or whatever. And he's just like, Hey man, I can't, he's like, I can't just switch off the, the, the sort of fighter, the fight mode in me. Like other guys can just switch it off when they land something and they know someone's out and they can switch it off. He's like, I can't do that. He's like, I, I just hit the guy until the ref steps in. He's like, that he's like that's her Dean fault. You know, after they start yelling at him you know during the fight or after after the fight we still in the cage but you know it's just to, to know that oh like hey you know I don't have that switch and to be sort of in the moment not really in the moment but be comfortable enough for yourself to disclose that to other people in the media saying like hey I can't I don't have that switch some other fighters that without some other fighters that don't know themselves that well or don't know or not really comfortable in their own skin yet in front of a the camera they might be a little sort of um hesitant to disclose that information to the media but Derek Lewis he's just very comfortable with himself he's just like yep he's like I don't have that switch sorry and, and he, he made a joke out of that too afterwards he's like I don't want him being like the undertaker or yeah you hit one guy and he comes back up like the undertaker so he even jokes about that too
0: and he, he zigs when you think he's gonna zag he zigs so people's like oh he's gonna make a call out He's going to say something funny. And who do you want to fight next? He's like, oh, you know, I don't know. Like maybe Alistair Overeem. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like where did that go? You're not like wanting a title shot. I mean, like you didn't call out Stipe, and You just meet like the number two guy. So you can expect him that he's going to say something. You can ask him about his diet. And you think he's going to make a funny about Popeyes. And he talks about eating his wife's backside whole and that was his, his involved in his new diet so i mean yeah exactly what you said
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's cool to see you know fighters be comfortable in their own skin and you know i mean you know he's had a lot of i'm sure like what you disclosed prior you know before that he had a lot of life experiences you know yeah he, he did time but you know he's got kids he's married and you know those life experiences make you more comfortable with who you are so i think that's the reason why we have he he, we have a Derek lewis with a great personality because he's comfortable with who he is so like someone like a macy barber who's you know 22 or whatever i mean she's still you know kind of figuring out kind of who she i mean she kind of knows i'm sure who she is but as far as dealing with uh, yeah. The scrutiny of fans and, and, and you know, her having this, you know, idea that she's going to be the youngest champion, but then when that doesn't, you know, bode well or you have some hurdles, it's like, what kind of identity do you want to identify as yourself with after that, you know? So, I don't know. So, like, someone like her who's just kind of trying to figure out her feet in the MMA landscape, you know, interviews with her sometimes are just kind of like, like, just they rub people the wrong way based yeah. on maybe her trying to be confident but then her not being sort of comfortable in her own skin comes off as just being like full of herself and cocky i mean i never really got the i'm going off a tangent here with her but i never really got like that whole like i'm full of myself kind of vibe from her but some people you know it just rubs the wrong people the wrong way with some of those sort of comments that she's made just well, regarding herself
0: Yeah, I mean, let's, well, let's, I mean, there. you know, you and I talked about this in the car, so we'll reiterate some stuff that we've heard. Um, I heard the guys from MMA Fighting talk about it. It was like Casey Lydon and uh, AK, um, what's that guy's name? Um, I can't think of his name. AK Lee. AK Lee and, and Mike Heck, they said, you know, Dana was asked about the performance of, Alexa Grasso and he says well man that Macy you know she was great but man that Macy Barber she's a killer man she's a murderer she'll be back now here's a girl who apparently posted a fake meme of um of a a, a, a fake dm that supposedly Austin Vanderford sent to her which is Paige Van Zandt's so, like, just to, like, kind of wind her up and see if she could get a fight. Like, that's going beyond trash talk at that point. Not that Paige Van Zandt would believe it or that she would be in any way jealous of Macy Barber, but that's something really stupid. Then there's another thing. I'm going to Google this about Macy Barber black belt. So, uh, tell me what you think about that Um,
1: oh, while, her, while I Google this. Oh, that, yeah. that she's a black belt? I yeah. don't care. It's like, whatever. It's like... You know she's a she's a young fighter so you know some some young young some young folk do things that are not the brightest sort of decisions so but like i don't know i don't really i mean me being a brazil jiu-jitsu practitioner i mean, i just don't really hold black i mean black belts are cool having a black belt's a great honor and everything but i don't really hold them as much on a pedestal as maybe some other people do and everything like that um so I mean, yeah, is it disrespectful to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Sure, you could interpret it that, but it's like, you know, young fighter—they make—they make decisions that sometimes are dumb. So it's like, I'm, I don't know. I to me, it was just like, yeah, dumb move. I don't know. I'll just, yeah, it just—it just falls off my shoulders. It's not a big deal to me.
0: Yeah, I would say that I'm a little more. Um, uh, I won't. Not going to use the word offended. I'm not offended or anything like that. But I think it speaks to a person that you can look at one thing and go, oh, well, you know, these are very young people, and young people make mistakes and do stupid things. But now we're talking about, so we have something where she does something where she makes a fake meme about uh, Paige Van Zandt's husband supposedly DMing her, which was meant to wind up, so there's that thing. That's crossing a line. Then you have something where Roxy beats her. And what did she say after Roxy? Oh, well, if I didn't hurt my knee, you know, when you just fought a legend, you gave a whole fake thing in, you know, of, of hol- holding up her hand in the cage. And then you leave the cage and go, oh, well, you and your dad start saying, well, if you didn't get hurt. So then there's that. Then there's something about faking and saying you're a black belt. I mean... If that would have happened like at Helsin Gracie, I don't think that person would be allowed in the academy again. Or Gracie Baja, even. I don't that would be like a major major no-no in a in a in a, a big time Gracie academy. And in a Gracie academy.
1: I mean, look if you got to look at the context. Like it, say she was competing in jiu-jitsu and she was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu IBJJF competitor and she claimed that, yeah, they'd have It have more of an impact you know and then have more (laughs) weight to it right but like an mma gives a fuck, man claim your black belt or claim your white belt or you know white belt spits black belt it's like i i see where you're just colors man you know i just you Mm. know just the black belt just symbolizes to me that just you have a really good amount of experience obviously you have good skill too but it's just it 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 just it it just symbolizes like your experience I, I
0: think we're talking about a cumulative thing, though. We're talking about like four. It's not like if it was, like one thing, but we're talking about like several things now, and that's why I think they said people are rooting that. against yeah. her. And and I, I mean,
1: I was looking. I mean, I'm th- not a fan of her. I'll I'm, just not say that. Fan I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of her either. I'm not a fan of her. Let's not get this wrong here. I'm not no. a fan of her, but I'm not one of those like torch bearer. No. Tor- no. You know, like, no. Absolutely poetry, not. Like. She's like
0: 22 years old.
1: No. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like that's, I view it as she's a young fighter trying to sort of have, trying to establish herself, trying to find her own identity. And, and you just and do MMA that by winning. Like,
0: like look at Valentina. Yeah, you by winning. Like You just do that by winning and people, and you know, you, Roxanne Motifari, the one that she disparaged. I mean, you, you just do it by winning and then people just cannot ignore you. Like Amanda Nunes is not someone who like does a bunch of, uh, says a bunch of stuff. She doesn't do like a bunch of posts of her in bikinis. I mean, she just goes out there and beats people, and then pretty soon you go, huh? Wow! Like we can't deny this person's like the greatest of all time. (laughs) I mean, I had to eat words that I said about Amanda. I know. Yeah. 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 You know.
1: (laughs) I know. But, like, look at John so, Jones, right? He, youngest, what was he? Probably one of the youngest UFC was. champions. He was, he was, 21. You know, he tried, you know, he had this identity that he wanted to portray to people that I'm going to be, like, you know, very Christian. Christian.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Clean, clean, you know, goody two-shoes, clean. Like, I, I remember reading an interview with him. He's like, yeah, I, I, I told on someone who was smoking weed. You shouldn't smoke weed <laughs> and, you know, do all this stuff. I want to be an influence on people. Right? Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh that's cool, all right. And then, you know, Rashad Evans starts calling him out like, dude, you're not like that, like
0: After the fact. Just, after the breakup, yes.
1: After the breakup, yeah. The and he's breakup. just like yeah. d- not you're not you're not fooling anybody. And some you know, f- fans were calling him on his bullshit. But it's just like for for me it was just like he was just a, a young fighter trying to find his identity trying to figure out, you know, who he is within all this scrutiny that he had upon him based in, you know, all the cameras, all their interviews and stuff like that, that messes with your mindset, you know, that, that messes with like how you interact with other people and everything like that.
0: Well, Nick, I'd I'd like to support John Jones because, you know, at the very, so some of the, the better strip clubs like TDs, in Albuquerque and yeah. you know, between getting bottle service, I think he has influenced a lot of people and changed a lot of lives there. He really has, you know, he was a great tipper. Um, he may or may not, I mean, you could read the Albuquerque journal of, of, uh, well, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Girls have had some interesting things to say about John at the strip clubs. He is not somebody who uh, let's say it would be a stranger. <laughs> at these clubs, and uh, yeah. while I certainly support um, strip clubs in general, um, I <laughs> I wouldn't uh, then pretend to be uh, a Bible thumping person. Uh, yeah, which there's did, nothing so. wrong with you know, yeah.
1: being religious and, and Christian and everything like that. No, nah, absolutely you not. You are. And, you know, he is, he, I mean, he, he is, you know, he, it's not like he wasn't a Christian when he was doing this. He, he still was. Uh, he was. And everything. But it, they point were holding service a young at the club. He's a young yeah sure <laughs> point being is he was a young fighter trying to figure out sort of his identity and plant his feet and kind of portray what he wanted to do or who he was to people and that was a very very <laughs> sort of yeah. very um it was a big disconnect between what he who he actually is now as he's older, <laughs> yeah, now that he's in his 30s, he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, I, I did a bunch of coke when I beat the crap out of Daniel Cormier. I didn't train at all when, in Gustafson. the first Gustafson fight. No, you now, know? And that that now, experience, his maturity, now you know who he is. And well, people are actually, like, you love him or hate him. He's
0: changed again. Now he's this gun-toting guy. He's wearing military uniforms, uh, Afghan scarves. Out in the desert with all manner of automatic weapons and his dogs, you know, firing away, um, looking something like MMA's Ted Nugent or something. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Hey amen you know but like that seems genuine you know maybe he likes the fire guns and he's really a, uh, huge I do too
0: guns. but so, yeah, it's just I mean, John just is like the flavor of the week whatever you know like he's just whatever he thinks is in at that moment you know he'll just he's a chameleon of sorts I think yeah. they showed where both of them he and Rashad went on Jimmy Kimmel or something like three or four years apart and he wore like the exact same suit that Rashad wore <laughs>
1: I mean, that's just, you know, he's just trying to find his way. That's all.
0: And that's what he, Rashad said. You're a swagger Jacka.
1: Yeah. I like him. Rashad Evans. now. you can't, that guy is probably I, the best swagger in MMA.
0: I love Rashad so, Evans. He's just, he's amazing. so real, man. There's nothing fake about the guy. I've never interviewed him. I've never, uh, I don't even know if I've actually talked to him or not, but I just find him very interesting. I think last time he was on Rogan was very, very interesting. He's, Oh, really he's very interesting. He's very yeah. spiritual right. now. He's really into yoga and um very interesting guy.
1: Into magic mushrooms being like uh magic mushrooms a treatment for but he's into like medicinal like mushroom like mushroom use where it's like it helps your your health and your mental well-being and everything like that. So he mentioned that he was trying to work with the ufc with using sort of medicinal or Magic mushrooms to help with like maybe like CTE or some sort of you know some sort of treatment for the fighters. So I it, mean it, it's very interesting. On another not really another tangent, but the reason why he went vegan was it was very interesting. I don't know if you remember this from the Jorgen podcast, but he said that he had like a I don't know if he was on magic mushrooms or he was on like uh, some sort of hallucinogenic drugs or like the ayahuasca, or hey, ayahuasca fun or whatever. But
0: I want to dedicate yeah. this song to Rashad Evans. Yes, right.
1: Yeah. On the cloudy side I've in the night Give it up
0: for Steppenwolf
1: for Sean Evans <laughs> <laughs> The magic a, carpet ride Yeah <laughs> <Sorry>.
0: <laughs> But it was a really interesting reason
1: why he went vegan I don't know if you remember this from Joe Rogan's no. Back where I was trying to get to where he said like he was he, he was on some sort of you know trip or whatever <laughs> Yeah Like you know hallucinogenic Weird. trip and he, had, he heard a voice that, that said, like, I smell really bad. It was weird. It was, like, either my breath smells or I smell really bad. And then they're, like, that's because that's you eat, you know, meat and you eat animal yeah. products. That's why you stink. And he's just, like, I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then he, he's, like, that just resonated with me. And I was just, like, you know what? I just I don't think I want to eat meat anymore. It was, just, it was an interesting, like, reason why someone would go vegan just from, like, having that kind of experience. And him just something just kind of clicks clicked within his his uh, his head or his brain it was like yeah I don't know I don't really want to it was interesting <laughs> it was a very interesting reason it was
0: uh, uh, he I was interested in Rashad um, this uh, you know I hate to rehash this Nick has heard basically everything I've ever had to say about Albuquerque Rashad Jackson's Jones but it for me I value friendship so highly that I connected the moment that I connected with Rashad Evans. And I don't mean personally, but then I connected with his story was when he left Jackson's when, when he was usurped by Jones who basically they had agreed that they would never fight. And then word quickly got back to Jackson's when, um, John did a nondescript radio interview with somebody, some guys who weren't even MMA journalists. They were from a sports station or something. And he said, oh yeah, I would fight Rashad. Um, And that basically tore apart the team. Rashad is one of the pillars that Jackson's was built on, along with Keith Jardine and Diego Sanchez. If you want to make like a three-legged table, that was it right there. Um And so it was very sad. So when that happened, the team broke up. And Mike Winklejohn, being the type of person that you couldn't trust, that if someone offered him $10 to kick you in the knee and he was your friend and he really needed that $10, he would do it, you know. Um, He's that kind of guy. And so he said, oh, uh, Greg said, look, okay, Rashad is now leaving and they're going to fight. And Rashad then had to go and start a whole new team. I guess he first he went up to Trevor Whitman's, then he went down to Boca Raton and helped found the Black Zillions. I mean, look at how many guys are still you know from that lineage of the Black Zillions. So you know, there's another amazing thing that the guy did. And John was just incredulous. So John uh, Jackson said, "Look, I don't want to get involved in this fight." And Mike Winkeljohn, like, "I'll coach against him." He's like, "This guy's going to be, you know, Mike. You're so transparent. You're like." this six foot four amazing person is going to be my meal ticket for the next decade at least and he's going to be the greatest fighter ever and that's where he was headed to be a lot of things have happened you know steroid t- you know positive tests of steroids and so on and so forth i
1: would say this how how common is that in me i feel like it's super common Trainers going um, it, with a guy who's probably they think is going to be the next big thing, and well, then just kind of let me let me cut t- off ties with other fighters.
0: Let me tell you how common it's not from any of these super camps, because basically you have three three really big camps in the history of modern MMA. You have AKA, you have ATT, and you had Jacksons, and mm-hmm. A T AKA said. Okay, we're going to get a heavyweight in here. This guy from Arizona State, wrestler, Cain Velasquez. And that's the only heavyweight that's coming here that's going to be of any significance. And everybody else is going to be a training partner. Then Cormier comes in there. They become great friends. And Cormier says, well, okay, I'll, you know, when he came over from Strike Force, because they were both heavyweights, but they were in separate promotions. And when he came to the UFC, he fought light heavyweight. Then you had Luke Rockhold come over there. They never had another, other than, you know, like uh, Mike Kyle, um, who was another Strike Force guy, but um, he was, by the time UFC came around, he was pretty much done. Um, that's going to be our middleweight. Then at a, I'm trying to think of who they had at Welterweight. You know, you had Josh Thompson, was more Koshchev. like a 155. You had, no, had Koshchek. Yeah, and John Fitch. Fitch. And we're not bringing yeah. anybody else in here. Nobody else is coming to this camp to usurp these guys. And then, of course, Koshchek had issues with Hav and and he he left and and uh, his career fizzled out um, actually start flying airplanes and stuff um, oh, good friend. yeah and then you had Khabib and so on and so on so that's the way that they did their business and and if you can't name me anybody that usurped anybody at ATT they basically said we're gonna create a model where lots of people can come in and train but what we're gonna do for you guys is we're going to make it a 5% cut of your purse, and that covers everything. All your gym fees, everything. Then you go to Jackson's, and you're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to take, you know, like 20%. Plus, if you want to hit mitts with Mike, you have to pay Mike. And you heard all that bullshit with Cowboy Cerrone. Here's a guy who's made millions of dollars over the years, and if people want to hit mitts with Winklejohn, you got to pay Winklejohn for a private. So, then you would have, there's so Benedict Arnold, it started with Rashad, it actually kind of started with George, but Diego at the time was not making himself, this is what I'm told by Coach Luttrell, Diego Sanchez was not making himself available for everybody to train when he was not in camp, that's what I was told, I can't confirm that, I'm not saying that, that's what I was told. So they let George come in, and then this, whole, but that was kind of seen as tangential. And um, Diego went and trained with the Hibero brothers and others in uh, San Diego, so he was at gone out of town. Then they started this thing where they were going back and forth. There was Trevor Whitman's guys and the Jackson guys, Brendan Shab, and a whole bunch of. They were basically guys cross training, Nate Marquard, et cetera, yeah, Nate et cetera. Marquardt, right, yeah, yeah. all those guys were cross training together. And they had Phil Nurse come out, blah, blah, blah. But then it started where you had um, Arlovsky came. And then you had Travis Brown ended up coming. So then you had Travis Brown beat Overeem. And then Overeem said, well, I want to come. And Travis Brown is like, well, I just beat this guy. Now you're going to bring him in here and teach him everything you taught me? And they're like... Yeah, dummy. He's making $800,000 a year. So just in case your math is a little shaky, that's 8 zero, comma zero, 0 0 every time he fights for us. So yes, he's coming here. So there's zero fucking loyalty within that gym. None. And that's what destroyed it. So you don't have to take my word for it because I was saying it in 2012 and 2013. You know, shortly in that time right after I left New Mexico. So late I left New Mexico in late 2011 yeah. no, and then 2012, 2013, I met you and I started saying this stuff. Yeah, now yeah, you yeah. heard Donald Cerrone confirm every everything that I said. McDojo and the whole 9 yards. They'll let anybody come in there.
1: Yeah. And that's a good person to AKA cuz yeah, they, they do you don't you haven't really seen anyone just high profile fighter just leaving AKA cuz zero with somebody else and they had that ATT, they could've, it could have it could have happened with DC and and Kane even even with uh, Kostrick and and Fitch as well so yeah I mean they they made it work so
0: that's loyalty
1: ATT is more like yeah and then ATT is more like broad there's so many coaches and everything and so it, they, they kind of make that work as well
0: but so, if you're yeah. if okay. I, I mean I mean yeah. I want to give credit where credit's due Greg Jackson is a genius Mike Winkle John, I would say not so much. But Greg Jackson was a genius. So I, if I were a fighter and it was, you know, the 2010s and 2011s, I would want to train with him. But if there's 50 people, you know, all these pros on the mat, Julie Kedzie and Heather Clark and Holly Holm and Maximo Blanco and Diego Brandau, and Diego Sanchez and um, yeah. Isaac, um, Isaac so Valley awesome. flag. Isaac Valley and, flag. You, know, you could just, you know, Keith Jardine and Clay Guida yeah. and I'm gonna, uh, you know, John Dotson. Yeah, we could just keep going and Keith yeah. Jardine and on and on and how the hell can you coach all those guys? All those guys are contenders. They're counting on you to to give them some of that magic that Greg has to strategize, to to pour himself into film for that person's opponents so that they, and they would, the, the Jackson's guys and gals would consistently take a fighter who maybe was a little lesser and beat better fighters because they were smarter. And then, but you can't do that anymore when you have I don't even know how many fighters they had running around the gym at one time. It was I mean, I, I went there, it was absurd. Was I mean Emily Kagan moved from friggin' Maine from training with Marcus Davis, the Irish hand grenade. She moved from Maine to Albuquerque. Clay Guida friggin' drove his his camper van right to the Rio Grande and put the put the chocks down and boom set up camp and brought down Izzy Style, who's made a whole career off of mm-hmm. Jackson's. So, uh, you know, an obscure wrestling coach from Illinois is now made a lot of money because of Clay Guida. I don't even think he's coaching Clay Guida anymore. Um, Go figure. No, I don't think he is. It's a dirty, dirty business, and Jackson's played it dirtier than anybody. And they, um, to be honest with you, um, I don't feel like they did right by... um, I don't think they did right by... A lot of these fighters thought that they were going to get some of the magic. And the truth is, you got the magic if, A, you paid for privates, and, B, if you were you were going to make money. And if you guys will remember, Diego Brandal was the toast of mixed martial arts when he won the Ultimate Fighter and brought yet another trophy back to that academy. And then as soon as he got beat by Darren Elkins and then lost another couple fights... They had no time. They didn't want to know from Diego Brandao. He took off and moved back to Texas with his original
1: coach. Yeah, where do you see Jacksons after say Holly Holm retires? Say John Jones wins heavyweight title. It's just like you know what, I'm good because you know John Jones has hinted that you know he has maybe a handful left and you know, I mean he's good. I mean, there's not much for else for him to do. So. Well, yeah, because like I feel like those two fighters and maybe like a Michelle Watterson are the mm -hmm. ones that are kind of keeping that whole camp afloat. But
0: I don't think Watterson is even I don't think she's really there. I don't think Winklejohn's in her corner anymore. I don't think I think her husband was there. And
1: okay, yeah, right
0: now. uh, So what's going on in in Albuquerque right now is Cowboys really ramping up. So Chris Luttrell told me that he's been up to Cowboy's. And he's got a lot of guys in there. They have... uh, Some of his guys are training up there. Some of Jackson's guys are training up there. And the Cowboys BMF Ranch is turning into a pretty legit facility. And, you know, as Cowboy probably will be moving into really just coaching before too long. And he'll probably be a great coach. Um, And the guys like him. I mean, he was telling me about Andres sparring with him and other guys. So... Jackson's, I think will continue the way it's been where they have enough name value because they just got someone who just went there.
1: Oh, Clarissa Shields.
0: Thank. Okay. Her. Um, I don't know if Juan Adams oh. is there. They have a trickling of oh, guys. Juan Adams
1: is there, I think.
0: Yeah. They have a trickling of different guys and they also, you got to remember there's two different facilities now. So the original facility on Acoma drive in Albuquerque was the original Jackson's MMA that closed and was empty for something like three, four years, whatever it was. And then it was Jack's Wink over on Central, right near downtown. Okay? Jack's Wink is the huge facility that Mike Winklejohn owns that he put put Jackson's name on there. Not because he loves Jackson like a little brother, like he says he does. But because he knew it would bring in money and fighters, that's that's that is everything that Mike Winklejohn does is because of that. Um, so the other facility is now open again under Nick Urso, and I can't remember. Dotson trains there, Nick Urso, and a couple of the old guard. Um, so I can't think of all the names, but some of the old guard. So the old Jacksons is open again. Okay. Um and it's it's being I believe Greg has rented it out to these guys and uh, he shows up there occasionally and and uh, I'm not sure how often he's there but um, those guys are coaching there so that kind of steals some of the shine away from Jackson Wink so
1: interesting it's a, it'd be interesting to see Waterson probably goes there I'm sure Waterson yeah. trains
0: there I don't think okay. I'm I'm I'm. I'm Ninety-nine point nine percent sure that she's not at Jackson Wink. I believe she's probably at that old Jackson's. Oh. So and we yeah, could. Try I didn't to... know
1: that they had two different facilities. Under yeah,
0: umbrella, it's re- so. it's recent. I mean, it's only within like the last year that okay. they reopened oh, wow. that place. Okay. So
1: because
0: Greg still owned it, and it, I think it was empty, and I they just kind of basically opened it up again huh. because they they want to be uh, in this kind of. Not pristine, new, you know, air-conditioned. They kind of want to be in like a little bit of a Rocky too,
1: Rocky style, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of
0: <laughs> thing. So that's the place that I visited. I've never been to Jackson Wink other than driving by it. Um, and when Josh Gross was there, I think I picked him up. <laughs> I picked Josh up there, I think, and then drove him. We went out and ate, and then I drove him back to his hotel. That's uh, pretty cool. When he was there, yeah. Uh, one time, but I've never been in there, and obviously I don't plan on going in there. There's been a lot of, uh, just just been so many things. There was some Russian guys that uh, came in there. Obviously, you know about Ramzan Kadyrov and his relationship, and that's not exclusive to Jackson's. I mean, I'm Mark Henry's guys have been there. I don't think Mark Henry's been to uh, um, over to um, what's the name of his uh, Chechnya. I don't think he has, but obviously Frankie Edgar has, Chris Weidman has a bunch of those guys have been over there obviously Fabricio Verdum a number of times, so I don't want to make it like it's all Jacksons, but one of the pandering video messages from Greg and Mike to Ramzan Kadir of a guy who denied human rights, a guy who has had jumper cables hooked up to the genitals of gay people made me kind of sick so, um so yeah
1: (laughs) yeah they're they're,
0: They're they're, shady they're quite shady and that's where I was told a lot of the steroids because you notice a lot of guys popped from their gym not only John but like several other guys Um, and I, I can't think of who so forgive me for that you know obviously nobody ever like Holly Holm would never do anything like that but a lot of some other fighters have popped from there um, and that it was the Russian guys that were there was a Russian guy managing the place, and I heard that's how it it got in there.
1: So interesting, interesting.
0: It, it did help them get training partners from over there. You know, get people to come in there.
1: It's just interesting how all that. I mean, like MMA. I mean, any kind of certain, I wouldn't say niche, but any kind of sort of smaller community. You know everyone kind of knows each other i know in the the music industry and everything you know for, even in like a local sort of uh music scene as well i mean you you definitely rub elbows with quite a few people and then they, they start new bands and you run into them years later like oh you got a new band okay that's cool so i mean i think it's the same with with the MMA community as well i think there's a lot of elbows that are kind of rubbed and it's interesting to see how everything kind of interacts with each other yeah like russian guys coming in there or maybe supplying with some steroids or whatever and now you got misha. Cowboys. somebody named misha, <laughs> misha ironically
0: yeah i think But that now you have cowboys
1: you know bmf ranch and who knows man you might have some great contenders coming out of there going to the ufc no or, doubt or you know or one or wherever you know so yeah Th- there's cool. no
0: doubt i i have a high degree of confidence that um, that between cowboys and um you know and probably lower lower gym fees cowboy also has cowboy had dorms in more than 10 years ago so before the new jacks wink with their whole dorm set up where supposedly um <laughs> actually i don't even want to tell that story because i can't confirm it so let's just say there's there's a lot of stuff that's that's gone on in those dorms i don't want to I, I can't confirm it, but I, I've heard things. So I heard, I heard things. So yeah, okay. I'm sorry. It, it's a, <laughs> There's so many great, it, Albuquerque, first of all, is one of my favorite cities. I work there a lot. I love the people there. I love the culture there. They do, it is a very much a, back from the days of uh, Johnny Tapia, it's a very fight oriented city. It's, it's definitely a fighting city. They're, should be a lot of talent uh, and will be I suppose still more talent coming out of there but there was something with the stewardship of Albuquerque talent didn't quite sit well in Jackson's hands by Jackson Wink by bringing in too many outsiders and not really taking what they had and developing it and then getting new, let's say, new wrestlers out of high schools, the way that they they cultivated Diego Sanchez and turned him into a star, and Carlos Condit, another high school wrestler. Uh Was he Carlos a Condit. Yes, yes. I didn't know that. And yeah, huh. and when and of course he started at um, at um, Fit NHB. Um, Carlos did, and then came to Jackson's later on, as did several other. Uh, guys like, uh, Cody Wheeler and, and so on and so forth, who's a native, a uh, brilliant native American fighter back in the WEC days. Cody Ox Wheeler was his name and I got to hang out okay. with him a little bit. So, um, so yeah, uh, th- there was a chance for them to take these homegrown folks like Michelle Watterson and, and that, uh, young lady, um, that you mentioned the great Holly Holm, uh, Brilliant fighter who could be even better, probably, if she had a better striking coach or different striking coach than, than Wink. Uh, you've heard Connor Rebush and those guys call for that for years uh, if you listen to their show. And those guys know striking a thousand times better than I know. Uh, yeah, I don't know any. You know,
1: I mean, she, that was like her first coach, and, you know, they've had sure. that on, So sure. I mean, it's hard to break that, I guess. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, it's like I said, you know, we've talked about, about Alistair Overeem and leg kicks. Alistair Overeem could come out and do nothing but keep his guard up, jab, right hand, and and calf kick. And there's nobody in the heavyweight division that could take what he could deliver. Certainly not Stipe, and definitely not Derek Lewis. He could kick you in the calf hard enough to take you off your feet. He has the legs to do that. Just that one thing. So when I say that a lot, with Holly Holm, with all the skills and talent that she has, and boy, her grappling and her wrestling have come a long way since, um, you know, since she was been taken down by like Shevchenko in that fight. You know, mm-hmm. um, she has come quite a long way. But yeah, her striking could be even better, probably with a more well-rounded coach. Because as Conor Rebush and them say. Uh, if you watch Mike Winklejohn fights from the eighties, it's pretty much the same style that that, that Holly Holm uses now. Uh, it looks like you know, she's, Holly Holm looks like a nineteen eighties uh, Mike Winklejohn kickboxing match though. So. Um, no. but I don't wanna I don't wanna dwell on that. There's a lot of talent in Albuquerque and if you had guys now they, they imported like Keith Jardine came there from Montana I believe he was actually a football player in in a college football player in Montana when he came there. Rashad obviously uh, came from Michigan State and went out there. And they could have taken kind of that core group and then slowly brought people in and developed them and coached them and turned in these amazing fighters. And, And without just literally opening the doors to the world... Of all these people to come in under the guise of we're going to bring in the best for you. But really what we want to do is not that. We really want to get their paycheck. So we're going to go out. We're not going to, you know, we're going to let you coach each other. So you, we'll take one of you. One of you will coach class. You know, Greg will be there. He'll be there for this class. He's not going to be there all day. Mike will be there. But he'll be there if you pay him for the privates. And then you can coach each other because every weekend we're going to be on the road making uh, uh, and we're going to be turning in 10% of everybody's money or 15% or whatever, depending upon if you're living in the facility, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the shit that they did. They could have done it the other way by just turning out prospect after prospect after prospect. But instead, like Rustam Kabila, oh, yeah, Rustam, come in. You know, he gets a couple suplexes. He gets on some big shows. What happened to Rostam Kabilov? Were you going to develop him? Well, man, who has time? You know, we, we got all these other fighters. That's my issue with them.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're just in a business. They screw over people and make some money. They did. You know, had But they, they gone made it out like, of we're
0: just... family. We're family, Rashad. Yeah, You're our yeah. captain. I mean, yeah,
1: they're deceiving people. And they shit. They're deceiving people and everything like that. Yeah.
0: All over those guys. People came but, from yeah. far and wide. They gave them money, and they really didn't get as good as they could have gotten. You know, if they would have said, "We're gonna put a, we're gonna put a limit on," ha-. that's what AKA does. You think anybody could go try? You know, if you ask Javier, the people call me all the time. Not coming here. We're not le- just letting I mean, everybody come Wooden. here.
1: He, he he coaches three people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm coaches sure he has more, people. but That's yeah, it. yeah. Of the pros, I think you know, he only
1: has three people. He only has three people. Maybe, yeah, he might do something. He some has more than
0: that. There's people more that people feed, in the gym but... that aren't pros, you know, that aren't UFC fighters. You probably have a bunch of regional guys. I have no, I don't know who's on their roster, but there's probably, it's not that know. you don't, don't have regional. I there's think guy... he has. This... There's guys at AKA that you don't I think know. he has,
1: like, training partners. Well, yeah, yeah, but they, yeah, but they all
0: fight on yeah, the yeah. regional scene. There's fighters that you don't know at all. These yeah. gyms that are training partners, yeah. but
1: and then once they get up there, then then they'll make a name. And then you're like, oh, okay, I know, yeah. like a Josh yeah. Emmett from right Alpha Male has been yes. there for years, but then he started to make some waves, and now you yes. know who he is. So Cody yeah,
0: Garbrandt, yeah. nobody knew Cody Garbrandt. Nobody knew Lance uh, Lance Palmer. You know, but they were there. And then yeah. they started to get better and better and better. Yeah. yeah, and they started to make a name. I had heard about Cody Garbrandt for 24 months before he broke big in the UFC. So, um so yeah, I mean your I your point is is well taken, but I just for people to understand you know what they did. It's not it's it's a place that that is part of the history of MMA, but it's a place that screwed a lot of people over in the desire for money. And everybody wants to get paid. The guys, I mean, Crazy Bob Cook and Javier Mendez, these guys want to get paid. (laughs) I mean, everybody wants to get paid, but you can only go so far when you're dealing with somebody's life and their physical well-being. Because ultimately, you, people are coming there with the promise that you're... Rustam Kabilov didn't go to Jackson's to go, oh, I want to move to some place called New Mexico that I can barely pronounce so that I can train and fight for a little while and then leave. He went there because he wanted to become a champion. He wanted to take what he had, this wrestling base, and turn him into a great fighter. And once they got a couple fights out of him and he's starting out to win, I don't care about him anymore. That's how I met him. He went with Brandon Gibson to a fight. Um... So Brandon Gibson also is not there anymore. Do you know that? He's over at Cowboys, isn't he? Yeah, well, I, don't know. I don't know if he's at Cowboys. He's not at Jackson's, is my point. And he had been there for several okay. years and done a lot of stuff yeah, for yeah. free over there. Um, but yeah, Brandon Gibson isn't there, but I saw him at an event, and um, this was one of those where Dede Pedneris, I was kind of there with Pedneris and company, and they had a table that had no place to sit and eat so I kind of walked in the dining room kind of like where am I going to sit so I was just going to sit at an adjacent table like I didn't care I'll, when it comes down to time to eat I can sit with somebody or sit with nobody and I don't care Brandon Gibson goes Ah, come, DJ come sit with us so I go sit and it's him and Rustam Kabilov and I sat there and I talked to him and Rustam Kabilov insisted on paying my check and paying That's for cool. me to eat Yes. Never met the guy in my life.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I was like, "No, dude. I mean, I have mu- I mean, I've got the money to pay for this. I'm not like poor or something. I could understand if you know I didn't have any money." He insisted and and was so nice. He had that trans. You ever see the translator guy that uh, that translates for Khabib with the beard, yeah, bigger, yeah, yeah. tall yeah. guy, with dark hair, yeah. dark beard, that guy? He was there. Mm-hmm. So I got to see oh, okay. yeah, him. Um he wasn't he didn't eat with us that time, but after the fight um, I talked to Rustam he said dude I'm renting a car I'm taking my guys to Vegas we're going to party so they got in a car in Tennessee and drove the uh, rental car piled in there with like four, four guys the translator and probably like two or three other guys and they beat feet to Vegas to, to go party on uh, Rustam is I'll never forget him so that's cool anyway hey. alright Nick people have heard enough of my Jackson stories they're um... good
1: stories, so.
0: <laughs> God you know, some, some
1: people like that. I mean, a, a, yeah. as a fan, you know, it's cool to hear insight, behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, you, you kind of humanize these—not to say they aren't human—but you you you, you uh, lift the veil of of their their hard sort of fighter exterior, and you kind of see the humanistic side of yeah. a lot of these people, which is you know, it appeals to fans. You know, when when fans see that side of fighters, I think that's when the fighters start to really garner a lot of uh, fan bases and everything like that. So.
0: It's wild! it's wild, man. I mean, I, I uh, just going to these events, imagine mm. being in the elevator with big John McCarthy and being like, open the door opens. You're like, Oh my God, it's big John. And you yeah, get in crazy. Um, it was wild. Henry hoofed. Uh, I got in an elevator and there's Henry and I didn't know who he was. He told me who he was. He's like, Oh, I'm Henry hoofed from the Netherlands. So, it's, it's pretty wild I've you know it's it's my history is long past I mean I'm not going to UFC events anymore um I haven't tried to go and of course my best friend in MMA jucia is no longer in the UFC but it was it was a pretty interesting ride to get to meet some of these people in person the guy with the crazy eyes who's uh the manager of um, Paulo Costa you know what I'm talking about
1: oh yeah 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 the jungle fight guy yes. he's like the promoter or the owner of jungle fight
0: yeah uh, he's intimidating w- man he's like, Validi. <laughs> yeah Valid Ismail oh my hey, god he, an is,
1: intimidating guy, I was he
0: is into. as scary looking in person I'm sure I believe it yeah and he was very nice to Dad. they all treat at least then I don't know what it would be like today but he was very Dad didn't really pay any attention to him made sure he was going to come up to the table and say hi to Dad instead of Dede going, "Hey, how you doing?" That kind of thing. He yeah. won't wait till you actually like come up and say hello. So I got to see all that stuff. It, <laughs> it is very, very a lot of interesting stuff back then. So anyway, Nick, man, and we still haven't got to talk basketball. You need to get up on the New Jersey net. Uh, excuse me, in New Jersey again. Okay, someone, give me a virtual slap. Do that. There you go. Thank you for J for, for saying New Jersey for the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. People, this is what I want to say before we close this out. And I want, I want to implore Nick as well as all of you. Now everybody knows I'm a LeBron James Stan, right? Okay. I admit it. I'll wear that badge of honor. James Harden has been an MVP candidate. Should have won a few years back. Um, was a scoring machine. A lot of people didn't like the way he played, kind of like selfish basketball. This guy comes to the the Brook. I almost said it again. To the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> <laughs> this guy comes to the Brooklyn Nets, and all of a sudden, got Kyrie Irving. He has. He must be like the Kyrie Kyrie Irving whisper. Gets him to say, you know what? James is going to play point guard. I'll play two guard, or shooting guard. This guy is unbelievable. We are not going to see another player like James Harden for maybe 10 or 20 years.
1: Are they going to beat the Lakers? Dude,
0: I mean, they just they just did a West Coast trip, Nick, where they were undefeated. They beat everybody. Yeah. The Lakers, yeah. the Clippers, Utah. Uh, they
1: were undefeated. They went but like that's not five- with. LeBron James playing for real. I heard and LeBron Anthony James, Davis. Like, regular season. Like yeah, I heard LeBron James regular season. You know, he he does his thing, but he doesn't really turn it up until like playoffs. It's like playoff LeBron James is like that's it, what I hear.
0: It's hard to say. I mean, one thing we well, first of all, he didn't have Anthony Davis there, so you're missing, you okay. know, the the second best player on the team, the maybe the best scorer on the team, and Anthony Davis. Was he injured or something? He is. Yeah, he has okay. an Achilles. Uh, uh, sore Achilles MRI was negative, and they wanted him to take something like three weeks or a month off. So there's that. So LeBron's playing a lot of minutes. Um, the, um, so there's that. The interior defense, Dwight Howard, who was a big part of their interior defense, is now playing for the Philadelphia 76ers. And so they have Marcus Saul, the Spanish guy, who can't really move anymore, can't block shots, can't protect the rim, and you have Montrez Harrell who's 6'8" and although he's trying hard and he's really good scoring he's also not a shot blocker so they don't have an intimidating presence to protect the rim and last year especially in the playoffs in the bubble Anthony Davis was saying get that shit out of here man he was blocking people <laughs> get that shit you know so they Fair don't enough. so they don't okay. have that but James Harden right now is putting now, and I don't want to take anything away from Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving is putting on a show. But Kyrie, man, don't talk shit to LeBron, man. He has three titles without you, you have zero without him. So that's what I got Uh-oh. to say, Kyrie. Uh oh. Um, yeah, he goes like this. Isn't Durant with him, though, too? He is, but Durant's hurt also.
1: Oh, he's Durant's hurt?
0: also, oh, yeah, Durant's oh, out for several games. Not, I don't yeah. think he's hurt bad, but they're he's out for a bit. They don't yeah. want to take any chances with okay. him. Okay. So. Kyrie they have a technical foul so LeBron's alone he's going to shoot that free throw for the tech foul and he misses and Kyrie's like yo is that the best free throw shooter you got it's like yo Kyrie man don't talk to that man don't we'll talk him to bad. that man he's got three <laughs> titles without you don't, since you left do you got none zero <laughs> you got kicked off Boston damn near they didn't want you there so, until you win a title, don't talk shit to LeBron. So, but I don't want to say anything because Kyrie's playing amazing as well. He's just, you know, he's got a mouth. And LeBron said, until he apologizes to me for the things that he said about me, um, he made a comment on Kevin Durant's podcast to Kevin. Kyrie said, I'm glad I finally got a player I can pass it to who can hit a big shot at the end of the game. Like, uh, did did you forget about Cleveland and <laughs> LeBron's percentage of hitting game winning shots? Yeah, did you well, maybe maybe he forgot that? Not the that. brightest person. So. Not the brightest person. He's a burn more sage, great, great player, he, amazing. Oh my, God. some of the stuff he's doing, he he really, you know, I'm not gonna say he's an artist because Will probably like, you know, like leg lock me and rip my ankle off if I say <laughs> Kyrie's an artist, but. He plays a beautiful game of basketball, but I want to talk about James Harden because I cannot believe, I still can't believe how easy he makes this look. He he's coming down the floor and making passes like a point guard. Like, how do you do he's that? Still chubby. Yeah, and he's still <laughs> he's still balling out and making people look silly. I don't, yeah, it's got I don't. Athletic ability, man. It, but it's not, but it's. It's really not athletic. It's more like Larry Bird type stuff. Yeah, Yeah, it's like smart, slick. It's not like he's flying over and dunking and and driving by people at light speed necessarily. He gets you to move one way and then he goes. You know, he's just...
1: Yeah, he knows the game. He really
0: does. He feels this game. He just decided, oh, I'm going to become a point guard. Something that people work all their lives to be a point guard. I want to make myself the best passer. Kyrie's been playing point guard since he's a child. And James Harden just goes, oh, I can do that. (laughs) And he's like, and he is. And he's making beautiful passes. And they traded away half the team to get him there. So the the talent they have around there is not very good right now. And they're beating everybody. Maybe by two it's yeah, that's all you need. When,
1: it's when, when Durant comes back, then they're they're. It's
0: they're oh my god! It, and then when right? the yeah, and Durant when the playoffs come around, Durant's gonna be block. That's when he really starts playing defense. That's when he's gonna be blocking shots. Because a, a playoff Durant on defense is like playoff LeBron on defense. Okay. Except Durant. Has arms like a seven foot one guy. Yeah, he's 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 He's, he's incredible. (laughs) It's just it's insane. But James is really taking me because I've heard certain basketball analysts decry the way he plays. I would decry the way he played in Houston dribbling the ball, pounding the ball, not pat, you know, getting enough people involved. And man, he has he has said, Oh, well, watch this. I'm gonna take my fat ass to Brooklyn. And I'm going to show you guys that I can play this game any way I want. I just have to decide what I want to do. And then two things are going to happen. I'm going to score or you're going to foul me. And then I'm going to go to the free throw line and score. But those are the two things that are going to happen. And I will decide how that's going to go. And I'm going to make it look effortless like people look like they're trying real hard out there. They drive hard to the basket. James looks just like, "Oh, you know, he just Oh, I'll just move around here and then I'll go like that and it'll go in." <laughs> it's you got to watch it. It's just
1: I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's it out. it's
0: it's insane. So guys, um yes, LeBron and the Lakers are struggling a little bit. Um he's not LeBron is playing pretty well, but it's not resulting in wins. So you you can dissect why that is. I haven't dissected or understand exactly why that is. Uh, it could be a function of his age. Um, it could be uh, defensive liabilities that they had. It could be a bunch of guys taking on a new role without AD there. It's, it's difficult to say. I don't not like the talent on the team, but they don't have a rim. It's a different team than last year. They don't have uh, some hungry, angry guys in the middle of the floor. Um, in terms of, uh, the New Jersey Nets, excuse me, I did it again, Nick. Go ahead. Give me me a slap. Uh, what are we taking? Yeah, watch James Harden. What are we going out to? Are we going to go out to, uh, what kind of song do you want to go out to, brother? Oh, doesn't matter. Born to be Wild, maybe, since I have Steppenwolf already up? Yeah, let's do it. All right. (laughs) All right. Um, you know what guys um, it's been a pleasure uh, we got to talk some MMA we got to talk some NBA you can find my friend uh, Nick Cozzano on Twitter at Eats Thrash on Twitter for MMA and other uh, enlightening conversation um, he is going to be a nurse he may save your life he might save my life uh, Dr. Will Wu uh, our brother is plain hurt uh, he had some family issues to deal with tonight Um, and we've missed him for the past couple weeks so we hope that he will be back we are still efforting um, the great Christina Corp uh, the manager for formerly of Buzz Aldrin now the manager for Apollo 11 Capcom Charlie Duke two of uh, my heroes in the space program and if you guys know me you know that I love MMA I love NBA I love life and I love the space program, and I love flying. So, um, and I love music. So, <laughs> and I love and I love. I can go on forever, but uh, I love swimming. <laughs> but uh, so we're efforting to have on Christina Corp. I need positive vibes. If Kyrie Irving would burn some sage and just kind of like run it around <laughs> the edge of his thirteen-inch laptop, there you go. Maybe I'll get Christina Corp. Right, Nick.
1: Please. Please, Kyrie, do your hoodoo on yeah, me
0: Yeah, give me, give me some of that positive <laughs> vibe Give me that, some there. of that hoodoo Alright, so for Nick Cazono This is DJ San Marco We're going out to Steppenwolf And we're saying one love, peace out And we'll see you down the road Get your motor running Head out on the highway Looking are Looking for adventure